Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Manitou. I'm still in the church at Manitou, Manitou, Manitou. Let's go to Manitou. Okay, Manitou. My name is Melton, and uh, I serve at New Life Church as the oversight for outreach at New Life North. Uh, if we have not met, it's my honor and my privilege to be here. And I'm looking forward to just spending the next three hours with you. And what I want to. 25 minutes, uh, just to share with you what I believe the Lord has just placed in my heart. Um, greetings from Joe and Erica. Uh, I had a quick chat with them via WhatsApp this morning. I was like, Joe, what if I call you and you greet your family? It was like, we're in a village. We're on our way to a village with no Wi-Fi. And uh, when they came back, he said, uh, he shared about the prodigal son. And 26 people decided to give their hearts to Christ this morning, literally 30 minutes ago. So uh, praise God for that. And, uh, I would, and then uh, they planned on, on working with uh, uh, expected mothers, mothers, and we were able to take them kids. That's one going to help survive the kids when they are, when they are birthed. And uh, we were expecting 100 ladies to show up, and 300 showed up about two days ago. Uh, so I have some pictures afterwards if you want to see, or, or let me save it for him. Let me not break, uh, steal his thunder. I think that's the American saying. I won't steal his thunder. He'll probably share his own pictures when he comes back, I believe, next week. But they're having a great, great trip. And it's always wonderful to be part of a church that's missional-focused and outreach-focused. And uh, So thank you for you. Thank you for letting him go. And thank you just for being part of what's got, what God is doing uh, all over the world. Um, true to who I am and true to my, my job, I want to speak to you this morning about what the church on mission looks like. What the church on mission looks like. And uh, I am really not a, a, a very big scholar or huge scholar of Revelations. I think Brett is a better scholar of just the whole Bible. Uh, he knows more than what I would ever know about all of those things. So I'm not a very detailed person. I always say the devil is in the details. So uh, I have not studied revelations uh, very much. I know there's dragons and there's people and there's swords and somebody's going to blow something and Jesus will come back. That's pretty much what I know. But there's three things that I'm convinced of. That Jesus is coming back. Secondly, in the meantime, we have an assignment and thirdly, that assignment as a deadline. Jesus is coming back. In the meantime, we have an assignment, and that assignment has a deadline. There will be a day where God's going to return. And you and I have a function and an assignment to do in between. And what we do in this in-between time will have a definite result and impact on that final day the amount and number of people that will spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell is kind of up to us. We have a job. We have an assignment. There's something that you and I need to do. And there was some of Jesus' disciples in Luke 19 asked the same question. But Lord, how does this return work? Are you going to just take over in the next week? And the Lord said, no, this is not how it's going to work. Let me explain to you how my return is, will work. And we read this from a story Jesus tells in Luke 19, 12 to 15. All the scriptures I'll be reading today is going to be out of the Amplified, so they've added some words. So 
It's not a fake translation if you see these extra English words. But read with me if you have your Bibles here, Luke 19, verses 12 through 15. He said, A noble man was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying this, Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to him he had given the money. He wanted to find out what the prophets were. And here we have a picture, very much like Jesus, who came down to earth and then left and gave us an assignment with the promise, I will return. And then he returned and he had a specific question. He expected something from those who stayed behind. And he came back to see if they actually did what he asked us. And it's very interesting, and I want to just segue a little bit here. He wanted to find out what the prophets were. The Greek word for that sentence is dia pragma mia. Now, if you say that three times and stomp your heels, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> that is a massive word. But this is what it means. To undertake a business for the sake of gain. To undertake a business for the sake of gain. And for a moment, I want to speak to the business people and to those who find themselves in secular employment. Do not underestimate the power and the value of where you're at. I think it's unfortunate that many times we think, I wish I can be done with my business, done with my employment, done with my career so that I can work for the Lord. God has placed you in a specific place for this reason and for this season. The fact of the matter is 97.5% of us must and should never become a pastor or a full-time minister. We should be in the places where God has placed us. Your ability to meet with people on a weekly basis is so much more than my ability. I'm in an office at the church five days a week with nine other Christians. I know that because I see them every day and they carry the, the title pastor. You have the ability, doesn't matter what your business is, your clients, your customers, people that walk in, people that buy things from you, just your, your influence, your potential for, for influencing your community in the place that you're at is so much bigger. It's very interesting when I read in Exodus 37 that Jesus gave or God gave an assignment to Moses to say to build the temple. Moses didn't do it himself, but but the Lord said, there is a man that I have anointed and his name is Bazalel. And if you read through Exodus 37, 38 and 39, Bazalel was an extremely great craftsman. He was able to build things in an extraordinary way. Scripture tells us that he took wood and he took gold and he took silver and he was able to make curtains. And Now think of your husband could make curtains. Wouldn't that be nice, ladies? Isn't that the kind of husband you like? Uh, he can make all your curtains for you. He can make the tables. He overlaid it with gold. And that I found very interesting, interesting in the scripture. At the end, it said Moses came to inspect it and he blessed him. I think it's unfortunate that we many times we only see God working when our work ends up in a Bible study. Or if we seem, see some kind of spiritual discipline. And I've heard many testimonies that say, I was busy with work, I went to this house, I did a job, 
And at the end, we were able to pray. As if that's the only evidence of God working. I like it. We should pray. We should pray with people. But what I read about this is it doesn't say Balsalal went, he made the tables, and then he prayed with all the other workers. It doesn't say that. The work itself was worship to the Lord. The table was worship. The golden rings was worship. The curtains he made was worship. And what I read out of the scripture, as we do our work well, suddenly an Excel spreadsheet can carry your anointing. Suddenly a meeting and a presentation, the way you do it in excellence can be your testimony of God's goodness. Do not underestimate your work. Do not underestimate the place that you find yourself in. I want to encourage you, if you're, fine, if you're at the place where you say, I wish I could just stop working to work with the Lord, for the Lord, I want to encourage you to find out from the Lord, what's the ministry you can do within your business? What's the ministry you can do within your place of employment? Because I truly believe that is where God wants to use us. You will be building influence. A business person or where you work, your, your success carries influence. And influence is leadership. If we say we want to lead our cities, we want to lead people, we want to lead our communities to the Lord, you will need to carry influence. It's very interesting when Elon Musk tweets something, stuff happens. Shares go up or shares go down. I've tried this. I have tweeted stuff. Nothing happens. It's like people even don't read it. I don't have the influence. I don't have the success. So I really want to encourage you not to give up on your business, not to think that where I'm at, I hope it will stop so that one day. Your ministry is today, and God has placed you there. So let's continue with the story. If, if we see out of Luke that, that Jesus came, Jesus went, and he left us with an assignment, let's define our assignment. And our assignment is very clear. It's not rocket science. It's Matthew 28, 19. And it says, Those therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's our assignment. The second part of our assignment, Acts 1 verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That's our assignment. We should go and make disciples and tell people about Jesus. It's not your job to convict them, to convince them or convict them of who Jesus Christ is. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But it is our work, wherever we find ourselves, to introduce them to Jesus Christ. To, to walk with them to make disciples and to witness about the power of Jesus. So what is the church then supposed to do in executing this assignment? What, is, what does that look like? And I believe Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 gives us a very great picture of how this assignment works and how all of us fit within this assignment. It's, it tells us in Ephesians 4, 15, rather let our lives lovingly express truth in all things speaking truly. Enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way and in all things unto him who is the head, Christ the Messiah. For because of him the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied. When each part with power adapted to its needs is working properly in all of its functions, it will grow to maturity and building itself up in love. And I love this word picture because this word picture we see wherever we go. 
Every time you see a human being, you can actually think of the church. It gives us the word picture of a body where Christ is the head and we are the arms and the legs. We are also the organs. And some of us are not as pretty as other ones, like a liver, it's not a very pretty organ. But man, it's very difficult to live without one. So if we can understand how this word picture is put together, I do believe we can have a better picture of what God expects from us as the church to live out this assignment. Number one, I think we really need to understand that we are the church, that this building isn't the church. When we close these doors and you walk out of here, the church has left. Otherwise, it's just a place for music instruments. This was something before it was a church, and it will be something after we leave here and maybe buy our own building. So it's very important for us to understand that you are the church. And I've heard people say, I don't go to the church because they make me mad, or I don't like the church. What they normally mean is they don't like a person in the church. Or they've had encountered somebody in the church that, that really didn't really show the love of Jesus Christ. And now suddenly the church is the bad place because the person in the church was the bad person. So we need to understand that we carry a responsibility as we go out into this world that we do represent the church. That we are the church and people will get to know the church by getting to know you. So we are the church. I, it's very interesting, I have a friend in Africa and they have about 60 churches and uh, about 35 people in each church but where they meet is under trees. Each church has a tree. So there's 1,800 believers that will meet on a Sunday, but it's just under trees. And it's just such a picture of the church where sometimes we're in the Western world, we see buildings as the church. But what we should look at is the people because the people are the church. Secondly, we need to know that Christ is the head. Christ is the head. And I know sometimes, I know for myself, I often come, come up against hurt and brokenness in the world. I would receive emails of, can you help us here and can you help us here? Or, or this has happened over here. And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I find myself in a place of being overwhelmed. Like, Lord, can there be so much brokenness? Can there be so much things in this world that needs to be fixed? And, and what I had to realize that, that you and I will not change the whole world. I do not need to have the master plan because I am not the master. Jesus is the master. He's got the blueprint, not just for Colorado Springs, not just for Manitou, not just for the United States, but for the whole world. He's got it figured out. And if we can tap into him and the pieces that we need to do, I think we will do well. I remember when I moved to the US about four years ago, four and a half years ago, the first six months I commuted for back and forth from South Africa, two weeks here and two weeks there. Great for your mileage. Um, but I was building relationship. And I really didn't come with a specific plan. I didn't come to the US understanding that it's a different culture, a different context of this is what we're gonna do. But this was my prayer. I said, Lord, help me to be sensitive to your spirit. Help me to hear and to see what you see and what you hear. And let us focus on those things. And I remember I was driving on I-25. I didn't even know what I-25 was. It was this highway. And my phone rang. And it was Chaplain Rick Edwards from Trinidad Correctional Facility. And he said, Melton, I got your number. I understand you will be at New Life. Uh, you'll, you'll be engaged in outreach things. I have a parolee that's going to parole out of Trinidad into the Springs. 
does new life have anything to support him? And my honest answer was no, because we didn't. It wasn't maybe 25 minutes later. I was still on the highway. I got another phone call from a gentleman called Gary Skinner. He said, Melton, I'm, I, I've heard that you're coming to the Springs. You'll be at New Life for Outreach. If ever you want to start a prison ministry, let me know I can help you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's, again, not rocket science. <laughs> so I called Chaplain Rick Beck. I called Gary Skinner. And in two days, we met in my office. And what was birthed there was the prison ministry. Where we're at today is we go into Trinidad about every second week, it has opened back for us for up again. We were able to minister to the Department of Correction, to the employees. Our, our first year, we did an appreciation dinner because we realized that most of the ministries towards the inmates are not towards the employees. Our first year, we had about 150 employees come to our dinner. The second year, we had 250 coming to our dinner. And the director of the year called me and said, hey, why is a lot of my people coming to your church for dinner? And we were able to, to share what we're doing. That created such favor that at the moment the DOC asked us, they're developing an app, which is going to be spiritual care and all kinds of care on the app. There's 6,000 employees and they want new life pastors and ministers to be on the app. If somebody needs spiritual care, they're going to click a button and we'll be able to engage with the employees. God is good. He's opened up so many doors for us by just following the promptings of His Spirit. So when we get overwhelmed, we just need to focus on him that's got the master plan and follow his guidance. The second part out of this scripture is that scripture is very clear that this body consists of various parts. And what we need to understand is that you and I are the various parts of this body. Scripture tells us that we're all created in the image of Christ. The fact is when I look at you, I see the image of Christ. I see a part of Christ that I don't have. And we'll do very good by loving and valuing the differences in other people. Because when we do that, you are loving and valuing the different facets of who God is. And I think it's unfortunate that, that we try to, to resist people or try not to value people if they're not the same as us. If they don't vote like us or think like us, we think they're lesser value. But scripture tells us that's not the case. Each one of us are literally made in the image of Christ. And the more we can value people for who they are and for what they represent from Jesus, I think we will do better. The second part or another part of the scripture is, portion of scripture says, when these parts are closely joined and firmly knit together. It is not just good for us to recognize and see the various parts of the church, but reject the function and place of that specific part. Unity impacts our ability to reach the world with the gospel. Pretty much, I have the picture here of an organ transplant. If one of your kidneys failed, you need another kidney, or you need another organ, and then you get one from somebody, because, but because it's not what your body thinks it should be, tries to reject it. Because it's not the same, because the DNA might look different, your body rejects it. And I think that's the opposite of what the church should be. If we're the body of Christ, we need, there's certain people that's required for this church. There's certain people that's required for us to fulfill the Great Commission. And it doesn't matter what they look like or smell like or 
what they culture us, what they believe is if they're made in the image of Christ, we should be able to say, I want these different parts and pieces to be coming to this body because if we're not a body fully developed unto Christ, it's gonna be very difficult for us to fulfill the Great Commission. Have you tried to run a race with a dislocated hip? You can't. It's painful, it's hurtful. We need all the pieces that God has given us. We need each one of you to fulfill your function because as you fulfill your function, we will be able to fulfill the bigger function and assignment. John 13, 33 says, Dear children, I will be, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish lead leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Well, I find very interesting in this portion, it's, it's in the same time frame where Jesus was gonna leave earth. So in the same time frame, there's a few things he said. One of those was go and make disciples. The other one was be my witnesses. But in this portion where he says, Go and love one another because as you love one another, they will see that you are my disciples. And I think sometimes as the church, we miss this piece. It's like we miss one of, one of the wheels of the car. We go and make disciples. We tell people to be, uh, how his witness is, but we forget to love one another. And I do feel if we can start to loving each other better, we will also be better disciples. Because how will we go and make disciples if they can't see that we are disciples? And one of the ways that they see that we are disciples is by loving one another. So how do we love each other? How do we love people that's not the same? How do we love people that's different? And I'm glad you asked because there is scripture for it. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us very clear, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It, it's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never lo love, never f love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Here's an easy checkbox. Do you want to know if you love somebody? Are you patient towards that person? Are you kind towards that person? Do you keep a book of all their wrongs and what they have done wrong? And I've heard that sometimes uh, our wives is better with this because they remind me of things I did wrong, which I even couldn't remember I did wrong. So well done to all the ladies. Um, <laughs> but here's a list. If, we, if you just want to know how to love your neighbor, if you just want to know how to love each other, just think if we only take the first sentence, love is patient and love is kind. Just think how different our world and our lives would be if we're just patient and kind with each other. So I really want to encourage you that, that we should focus as we do our assignment, as we know that God's coming back and we have a time frame to, to go and make disciples and to witness unto people in the same breath in the same season, let us focus on loving each other. Because as we do that as the body of Christ, the organs and the ligaments and the joints can work together, they can properly function, and people will see how to be disciples, and we will be able to accelerate the way we, 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 accelerate the way we win 
people for Jesus Christ. The last piece it says here, when each part is working properly in all of its functions. Your optimal functioning has a direct impact on the effectiveness of the church on mission. And here the best word picture I have is Nehemiah. Literally for decades, the walls of, of Jerusalem was broken down. They were of Israel. They will not able, the walls wasn't built. And then after decades, Nehemiah goes and he's actually able to rebuild the walls in a record time of 52 days. And the way he did it is they didn't try to do everything at the same time, but he appointed people over a specific part of the wall. I think each person had, let's say, six feet, and then they had to carry a sword because they had to protect it, protect it. but they also had the, the working tools, and in front of them, they were supposed to build that part of the wall. And because every person did their piece and their part, this wall was built in a record time of 52 days. And it's such a picture for me of our assignment. My assignment isn't your assignment, and your assignment isn't my assignment. But if you focus on your peace, if you focus in the place that God has placed you and you do what you're supposed to do, if we as New Life Church do what we're supposed to do in the springs or in the cities and the areas God has placed us, when we do our part and we do it well and, and Woodman Valley and all the other, ch other churches do their part and their peace as well, you know what can happen? Suddenly we can see this wall of our assignment being built in a record time. But I think we're sometimes so busy and so critical looking next to us and to the left and to the right and what he should do and she shouldn't do that we're not focusing on what God has given us to do. And if you don't take up your responsibility of your part of the assignment, there will be a gap in the wall. And what we don't want is a gap in the wall. We want to be able to build this wall well. I believe God has, has given you four unique areas of your own assignment. And number one is your circle of influence. Your family isn't my family. Your friends isn't my friends. Your co-workers are not my co-workers. But God knew who they would be. And God has placed you in a place and you have influence with people that I will never have influence over. Let us not forget that where you are at is strategically placed by God. Your community is a special community. You've been placed in a special community. You've been placed in a church and you've been placed in a city. It's very interesting if I, I'm not very good in math, but you can actually work out the probability of you being in your house. There's about 7 billion people. So the way you do it is one over 7 billion. Uh, then there's a definition of cities. There's about 10,000 cities in the world. So times one over 10,000. Then take how many houses there is in your specific city, one over whatever that number is, equals. Now, I don't know much, but that will be equal 0, 0,000000 up to the power of a lot. <laughs> the chances, ladies and gentlemen, of you living in this town, at this moment, in this season, in your neighborhood, is not by chance. It's by design. God has placed you here. God has placed you in a specific city, in a specific community, in a specific church with a specific circle of influence for your assignment. You are supposed to build this part of the wall. I cannot do it. Nobody else can do it. But God has entrusted you with a place of this wall called 
called just building his kingdom wherever you're at that only you can do. I really enjoyed seeing this where we are all part of, of who Jesus is. About two weeks ago, we did a backpack fiesta. It's a lot of our churches or New Life congregations that came together at Nuheva Vida and we were able to give about 750 pairs of shoes, uniforms, food boxes to people within the community. Wonderful event, but the lady who came with this idea was Yolanda from Nueva Vida. And I remember the first day when we sat in our, what we call outreach collab, and Yolanda shared the vision, Yolanda was literally crying. Now, I didn't carry the same passion for shoes that Yolanda did. But you know what I noticed? I saw the heart of Jesus Christ. Yolanda at that moment carried the passion of Jesus. In that moment, Yolanda was the heart of Jesus Christ. Then at the event, there were lots of people, it was a very warm day, that, that ran around just giving water. And I was able to see the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I remember behind me was a lady as, as they gave the, the sizes of the shoes. She was like the Energizer Bunny. I mean, for every six pairs she gave people, I probably did one. She was like, <laughs> and I saw the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Then there was another lady next to me, and uh, she was a teacher and ex-military, or uh, the retired military, and she said, you know what, next year, the lines should be like this, and the table should be over there, because then we can do more people. At, and, I, and I heard, there's another part of Jesus Christ. Figuring this thing out, we were able to celebrate what the different parts of the body brought to that day, because it needed a whole body to be able to pull off the day very well. And because each person did its part within your giftings and your gift set, it was a beautiful day. I believe they are a specific invitation for you and me this morning. And I, I actually really appreciate what Laura did this morning of just restarting. And I believe that's part of our invitation. I believe there's people this morning in this room that felt I was very busy with my assignment. I was part of the family of God and I did what I was supposed to do, but I, I kind of dropped out. I feel I'm at the sidelines not doing exactly what God has called me to do. And this morning, I believe God is calling you to a place of restart. To say, let's just stop this and let, let's just restart where I was at again. God's will is very much like an airplane. You know, you need to fly somewhere and sometimes I remember I have missed a couple of flights because I was a couple of minutes late. And I always have two choices. I can either go home and say, now I've missed it. I'm never gonna reach my destination. Or I go and talk to somebody and say, is there another flight? Is there a way for me to still get to my destination? And will the pilot be different? Sure. Will I maybe get chicken or fish? I don't know. The meal might be different. And, and might those who serve me look different? And, and maybe my, my luggage would not be on that plane. I don't know. But, but get on the plane. Because at the end of the day, God's desire is for you to reach your destination. It's when you turn back, get in your car and go home, that we miss out on God's assignment. So that's my invitation for you this morning. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come up and I want to facilitate us in the prayer and after that, Brett will come up and lead us into, in communion. But I want to specifically pray for people that need to restart, like this morning. 
Let's restart. If you say, I, I think I'm not on the place, I'm, I'm not in front of the wall that God has given me. I was there, but I kind of got tired or, or life happened, but it's time for me again to pick up my assignment. It's time for me to be serious where, where, where God has placed me. I wanna do my part for this great commission. Then I wanna pray for you. So if that's you, let's close our eyes. I wanna just pray over you. If you don't mind just raising your hand, I'm not gonna call you for anything, but I wanna know who I'm praying for. If that's you, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Somebody else has said, I'm gonna restart. I'm gonna restart this song in my life this morning. I've missed a few notes. I feel I'm on the sideline, but I know this morning it's not too late that God has given me a specific task and a specific assignment and I, I choose this morning to pick that up. I choose this morning to, to build my part of the wall, to pray over my circle of influence, to be involved in my city and my community and to be involved in my church. Lord, I thank you this morning for, for the people that have raised their hands. Lord, I thank you that, that they're not unique in this. I'm thinking of Jonah, who's missed it, but yet came back. Lord, I think of Peter who denied you, but yet you gave him a second chance. Lord, I'm thinking of the fishermen that, that fished throughout the night, couldn't get anything, but yet by your word, they went back and they saw the fruit of their labor. So this morning, I wanna pray for the men and women in this place that feel they've kind of, they're not really so actively involved in their assignment. That they kind of worn out. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they just, life happened. And whatever that might be, Lord, I thank you that this morning you call us back to do what you have called us to do. Lord, if it's a business, then it's a business. If it's a work, then it's a work. Whatever it might be, if it's in the healthcare, in the education, wherever you've placed us, Father God, I thank you that this morning we sign up again for the assignment which you have given us. And Lord, let us not carry the burden of this world because that's your burden. Lord, you are the head. But let us carry the responsibility of the peace of the world that you've given each one of us. So I pray that you would bless them, that you would anoint them, and they would see and experience the fruit of their labor. In Jesus' name, amen.